0: Thank you, Ben, and this is Tony LeGrecker, and this is The Courage to Hope. Tonight's guest name is Gail Henderson, and I believe I've known Gail for about four or five years now, and we met at the Hope Floats in Kingston. Welcome, Gail. Thank you, Tony, for having me. Okay. Do you remember, can we go back, and Gail lost her son, Andrew, and when was the date that that happened, Gail? uh andrew uh was
1: born in may 29th memorial day uh, 1978 he passed uh, august 18th of 2015.
0: 2015 so we're looking at seven years seven years out now well it's almost eight august will eight. be eight years. yeah and do you remember when you first came to hope floats the feeling that you had and what you what it was like Uh, Well, fortunate, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I
1: was a a few years in before I went to Hope Floats. I think Uh, it wasn't new, you know, it wasn't brand new. Um, and uh, you know, I do believe in support groups, so uh, yeah, that Hope Floats was one. Um, I tried a couple of others, but uh, this
0: particular one, obviously, we stayed with for a couple of years, I think, right? Right, oh, yeah. In at least two years and yeah. <clears throat> what i remember when you first got there was that you were you were rather angry at a few situations especially the coroners report or the getting the um, something from the state you explained to others how difficult it was and yeah go ahead what what was that like
1: um i was angry about a lot of things uh i don't the autopsy report I got in, in a timely fashion. I didn't have to wait years like some people do. Um, my anger was primarily from his treatment while he was active, while while he was um, sick, while he was sick. Because uh, with the stigma, which was a major thing, with the stigma, it uh, was difficult. I was his advocate and um, I ran into issues across the way
0: all along. Can you explain what, what you mean by that?
1: Well, um, I found out by a friend of his that he was, uh, in trouble with drugs. Um, and he, uh, so I went to learn to cope. I went to that for a while and got a lot of great support. I recommend it. Um, and I did at some point, um, section him section 35, uh, and uh, that he was sent to Matsey Men's Addiction Treatment Center in Brockton. Um, he, uh, he, he was there for, I want to say, four to six weeks. And then he, uh, he went on the run because uh, a lot of those facilities have people outside just waiting for these uh, sick people to, to leave. And we didn't know where he was. Uh, and then uh, we got a phone call that uh, he was taken to the hospital, not breathing. Uh, we couldn't find him. We couldn't find him anywhere. You know, Andrew Craig, we couldn't find him. Um, long story short, he was a John Doe at the Brigham. And only, I only found out because somebody uh, went against HIPAA. So it was either the, the police or an ambulance, because I was call- we were calling everywhere. Uh, he was a John Doe at the Brigham. Um, He was in the ICU. Um, He was, uh, I was lucky he was still there. You know, he was still on this on this earth. Uh, And he, he got care in the ICU. But when they put him down into a room, he was hallucinating. So they had to have somebody in the room. I don't know if it was the drugs that he got when he was in the ICU or uh, withdrawal I, I, he wasn't physically sick as far as I know so I think it was you know just whatever they gave him in the ICU and then when he stabilized somewhat and you know, he couldn't walk because they put a uh, uh, some kind of a, a thing in his groin t- when they were resuscitating him and they t- nicked the nerve so he, he couldn't walk um they had no idea where to put him um the uh, caseworker was useless. She had no idea. I couldn't let him home because he wasn't in a program, and as a parent, that that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, and I, with learned to cope, I found out that he was in that that Barbara McGinnis Hospital <clears throat> um, on Albany Street by the BMC takes patients that are indigent so he went there um stayed there for a while and then he ended up in a a nursing home in west roxbury that just was a place where people went to die um i had to fight for him everywhere he was they were putting they were medicating him on things that, that he shouldn't have been on um in the nursing home uh you could see that the people were there they weren't going home people that uh that lived there they had no um uh, facility or no way to treat him for his addiction and they it was like i was asking for martians to come and you know it it was like they had no idea um and they they put him on all kinds of stuff and i i questioned all of it you know he's an addict he shouldn't be on this he's an addict he shouldn't be on that um and uh, when he could walk, um, he left there, and um, he lived in a rooming house. Do you want me to keep going?
0: Yes, yeah. Okay,
1: he lived in a a crappy rooming house in Dorchester, uh, with bed bugs and the whole nine. Him and his girlfriend um, lived in a rooming house, and he got a job for Panera Bakery, Uh, as a baker and because of his injury to the groin um, he had reason to take gabapentin because of it but um, the job was on his feet it was it was on the night shift and he was on his feet the whole time and they they wanted him to uh, be more productive they wanted him to do more and he was he was an artist he was a, a graffiti artist and he Was more into making things look really nice. So he really didn't, he really did not like the job and he realized that he didn't want to work the night shift. It wasn't for him. Um, So that was a a stressor. He, um, and whenever he he was on MassHealth, um, I tried to get him to go to doctors to, to, you know, to get, he had anxiety and depression. And I tried to get him to go to, a doctor, and he wasn't, you know, uh, thrilled with the idea. Um, he uh, his girlfriend had a script for benzos, so I, I think he was using hers. Um, and he, uh, so the mass health when he tried to work extra hours, um, they, he wasn't uh, he, he he couldn't get ahead because they'd knock him off at of mass health when he made too much. And then when he stopped making too much, he, uh, he 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 could could get on. So he was on and off Mass Health, and uh, it was difficult to get him on a regiment. As far so, finally, I got him to go to a doctor. And the doctor, this is a long story short, really, but. Um, <clears throat> the doctor gave him Welbutrin, which is what he needed, but she didn't give him anything else, which made me happy. She didn't give him Gabapentin or Tramadol or any of that uh, stuff that, uh, they tried to give him. And, uh, he, he was doing pretty good on it. He, he got another job. He, he got, he left Panera. He got another job for Whole Foods in, uh, I, I don't know, somewhere in the city. And he, uh, uh, was doing was doing pretty good and then when he went for a second visit to the doctor his his follow-up visit he, there was a, he saw another doctor and the doctor gave him gabapentin, penton and i we, we discussed it and we know that it's called johnny's on the street told him you know uh, that i don't think he should be taking it even though he had a reason to take it you know you shouldn't be taking it and uh I think a week later he passed away, um, but it, it, before that, he was he was in a state, he was uh, um, did a lot of GoFundMe pages, didn't have enough money, blah, 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 so his father, who I called Santa Daddy, his father came and got him in Dorchester, he lives in Dorchester, and his father lived in Kingston, when his father picked him up, he was nodding in the car. But when he told me that, I said, "Well, you got to drug test him," and I learned this from Learn to cope. Um, and I think the father said, uh, "You know," he said to Andrew, "Your mother wants me to drug test you." And, Of course, Andrew's going to say no. Um, and I said, "Well, if he says no, that means he's dirty. So <clears throat> you probably should section him." And I, you know, I told the father where how to go about it. And I believe he told Andrew, your mother wants me to section you. And I figured if he's down in Plymouth County, he might have better luck, you know, in in recovery of some kind down there. Um, But then he wanted to go home. So his father brought him home and he was nodding in the car on the way home. Um, I think he died either the next day or the the day after. Um, And we got the call that uh, he had overdosed. He So when we went to his apartment, he was there and the coroner was there and the police were there. Um, and he, so the autopsy indicated that he died from uh, heroin, benzos and fentanyl in his system. Um, and I got the autopsy report, that's what it showed. But, you know, it was like, very detailed, these autopsy reports, and um, no mother should know how much their son's, their child's heart weighs, or liver weighs.
0: Wow. That's uh, that's quite a thing you're saying. I never thought of it that way. What, the autopsy? Yeah, like what your organs weighed and and that sort of thing. It's um uh, my son, I never got that type of an autopsy report. It was just a a one liner of cause of death, and that's all I got. Oh, I got detail. I got a detail, detailed report. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen it
1: once or twice. I mean, why would I look at it? But it was very detailed. It was in Boston, so I don't know if that's a difference. Um, but
0: no, my son was taken to Boston also.
1: Yeah, and but he lived in Boston. I. I, yeah,
0: but my, I, my son didn't. He lived in Plymouth. And,
1: yeah. But
0: they took everybody, I thought, to some place in Boston or somewhere up there. Oh,
1: maybe. Uh, I don't know. Because they,
0: they had his body for three or four days before they released it to me.
1: Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. I, I know it wasn't a long wait like a lot of people have to wait. You know, I know it wasn't a long wait, you know, comparatively to other people. As far as, you know, I I don't know how long we had to wait. It might have been a couple of days. uh, But that was between the the coroner and the funeral home, pretty much,
0: you know. They sent my son's report to the funeral home, not to me. Oh,
1: oh, really? Your son's name? What's his son's name? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's just about the same length of time. I'm in the ninth year now. So, yeah. And it, it it just
1: sort of knocks you over. It just sometimes. Well, it never
0: should. It's the child should never die before the parent. It's not the root. It's not the um. Not the. It's not the way it's supposed to happen, and um. But um, when it does, it's leaves the heart empty for the rest of your life. You know, it's like uh, that. I feel I'm in my ninth year and I still think about it all the time. Yeah. Now uh, it's in your soul. It's in
1: your soul now. Right. Um, And Mm -hmm. you're never going to be the same. Uh, Yeah. I I had a thought, but it went away.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we learned, we learned to live with it, you know, and it, it doesn't go ever go away because you just learn to live with it a little bit better. That's about it. You know, it's like, um, in my case, now, since everything's happened, tell us about your all the different things that you're involved with, and I see you everywhere. So I know you've yeah. joined different organizations, and tell me about tell us about the how the grief groups help you out.
1: Yeah, but before that, I just want to mention that when your child is sick like that, and they're very sick, my son used to say, my dope sick was the worst sick ever. Um, as a parent as a mother and a father the hopelessness of not being able to help the child which is a natural thing we want to fix it we want to make it go away we want to make our kid healthy you know and that was a that even now I don't really have too many regrets as far as, as far as because I had learned to cope and I, I think I did what you know and we we had a good Relationship. Even when I sectioned him, he said thank you. Um, he wasn't angry, but he was thirty-seven too. He, we had a adult relationship. So, um, but the I've gone to uh, grief groups. Whole uh, floats. We did that for a couple of years. Um, which was, you know, a, a, a little aside is that they had a retreat. They have retreats down there for. Um, Mothers, I think fathers, I assume fathers, uh, down at Hope Floats. And uh, the first time I went to the retreat, which was wonderful, um, on my way in, there was somebody behind me that called me by name. And it was uh, Andy's stepmother, ex-stepmother. So his father was married three times. Um, And when he went to see his dad, he would spend time with, with her and her two boys. Um, and apparently, one of the boys passed from an overdose as well. So, uh, you know, small world that we ran into each other. Um, so I, I did Hope Floats <clears throat> for a couple of years. Um, I know you and I did the Fed Up rally right after Andrew died. It was Andy died in August, and I think the first one was wasn't it October or something like that? September. Either
0: September or October. Yeah, yeah. Something.
1: And I did that um which was i, I was in a, a days I, I i remember it but you know it was right after we passed away um i assumed that you and i i, I assumed that you were there when we uh, picketed or whatever you want to call it, demonstrated in front of uh suffolk court when the when the um when the sacklers were being I guess, prosecuted or whatever, yeah. with uh, Mara Healy. Um, in fact, Dave Morgan, the, the pharmacist I was telling you about, I hope he doesn't, he won't mind. Um, he was on his way out, and he looked like one of the Sackler attorneys. And they, you know, people started saying whatever. They, they started yelling at him, and I, I had to go save him because I said, no, 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 he's, he's one of us, you know. Um, yeah. And we've done that. We've done the state house. Uh, I belong to a grief group now that's uh, more local, called the Sun Will Rise. Uh, these grief groups have grown uh, exponentially. It, it, it they they're multi-state now. They they started as as groups with moms that have you know lost their child from addiction, and and they just. Uh, they feel a need, obviously because it's such an epidemic uh, of people and in, in almost every every day this there's, there's you know birthdays uh, you know that, that, that are posted on Facebook or new members, new members that you know well, us- um,
0: yeah if you if you do them if you do the math, we have we had 2300 people just in Massachusetts die from an overdose last year. And yeah. so that's forty six hundred parents yeah. that just in one year, and we've been doing this. This has been going on since nineteen ninety five. So there are t- tens and thousands of parents now who have who have lost a child, who are suffering uh, from yeah. losing a child. You know that's a huge number. Um, just for those that don't know, Fed Up is an organization that is um, a national organization and the we both joined up with it and fed up watches the, during the, during this whole year, they, they watch the pharmaceutical industry to see about new drugs that they're trying to get approved by the FDA. And we try as a group to put pressure on the FDA. If we find that somebody is doing something they shouldn't do. And, um, <clears throat> to give the idea, since we've been involved, uh, one of the heads of the FDA approved a drug that, uh, Opana, that was the advisory board, 13 to 2 said, no, don't put it out on the market. And the head person at the FDA put it out on the market, and they also uh, helped rewrite the We write the paperwork on OxyContin and OxyCodone for Purdue Pharma. And two years after they left the FDA, they got signed a $400,000 bonus check. They got just for joining Purdue Pharma. And for those who don't know, Purdue Pharma is the largest producer of OxyCodone and OxyContin. And Richard Sackler, who is the president of Purdue Pharma, CEO, was the one who promoted OxyContin as being the safe, safe drug and that less than one percent would get addicted. And it's absolutely not true. So that give people a little update on that. Um, but just
1: to back up a little bit, if I could, um, Andrew graduated from high school in 1996. And that was the year that the Sacklers put the push out for OxyContin. It's not, it's not addicting. It's, you know, it's safe to take. So a lot of that generation would take it as experiments, you know, experimenting with, with drugs. Uh, Unfortunately, they, you know, he became addicted to it. And what is it? I, I, at the time, I think it was $80 a pill on the, on the street. I don't know what it is now. If, if it's, I assume it's still on the street somewhere, but now it's got fentanyl, fentanyl in it. But um, that's when he, that's how he began to, uh, use uh, heroin because he couldn't afford the oxys because in the oxys that was that was so non addicting according to and they put a big yeah. push as you know they put a big push on on sending doctors on junkets and uh you know uh, it's all it's completely non-addicting and and give it out to all your patients give it as, as much as you
0: want and
1: and that's, for every little
0: for every little pain detail Right, you know, they sprain they the thumb. Give them oxy. You know.
1: Yep, they lied about
0: it. Obviously, they lied, because the, we know now. And the dentists were given out Vicodin and Percocet, which is another form of of opioid. Right. And the same scenario. It doesn't take long. My son only got one prescription for a hundred pills, and that was all it took. He was off to the races. So
1: well, sometimes they still prescribe that many, and and people that I know anyways are more aware and they don't want to take it, any pain at all after surgery and whatnot. They, they're very careful. Um, but as you know, Tony, uh, it just takes one or two pills and that, and there it is.
0: You're it, it, stuck. Once you feel that high and if you've been in a mental state where life's been not too great and you get that high, you want more of it. It just keeps asking, asking for you to come back. Yeah, and as you know, I had back surgery back in December, and every time the the nurses switched their shifts, they kept asking me, "Aren't you in pain? Don't you want some something for the pain? Don't you want something?" I said, "No." I, I said, "Give me ibuprofen," right. and they were worried about being on a blood thinner and giving me ibuprofen. And I said, God. "Well, then just give me Tylenol, and give me and, and bring in the ice." You know, I said, "Let's let's do it that route." And, you know, after three days, the critical pain was gone anyway. Yeah. And so, but you don't need it if you can handle it, you know, if you can cope with it. Um, so now we're you you did the fed up and.
1: Yeah, let's see what else. Um, a, a lot of the, uh, well, I, I think between learn to cope and team sharing, team sharing is the uh, grief group, but. Learn to Cope was is primarily uh, where you find out what's available, what kind of support is available when you have someone that's that's active. So, you know, the word would go out. We're we're picketing or demonstrating at the state house. Uh, we're demonstrating. Where else did we demonstrate? We, we demonstrated a few. Oh, we went to um, Purdue
0: Farmers. Uh, right. We went down to Stanford, you were there. Connecticut. Yes. Yeah, you
1: were
0: there. Um, uh, did you lie yeah, we, on the sidewalk?
1: I didn't, I chose not to lie on the sidewalk, but I know you did.
0: I know no. you, did. yeah. Um, so, when, for those that didn't know, what we were trying to do was we, we lied, the 50 of us lied on the sidewalk and they chalked our bodies to being like a, like a death scene, like the, like the police would do if somebody died. And they chalked all 50 of us. And so we left our marks on the sidewalk. And of course, some of the employees from Purdue came out on their deck out and watched us, and a uh, few people were yelling up to them about, come on out, and let's chat kind of thing. And we were getting our message across. We made it to the New York Times, second or third page the following day in, in several of the news outlets in Connecticut. But we were trying to draw attention to how bad Purdue Farmer is and to get the average person most people don't get involved until something awful happens. And uh, we, need, we needed to, to get the people from the outside who didn't have anything bad happen, be aware of what could happen. And I think we did a good job that day. And two days before we were there, uh, this fella named Dominic and uh, Fernando brought a, a giant 800-pound heroin spoon and dumped it at their front door to create another form of attention. And I think that was pretty effective. Yes. Now, um, what team sharing um, you've been a member for many years? Probably
1: since, probably since shortly after Randall passed. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think we I've done, I've done things with them. Uh, I'm more local now. Um, the groups that the group that I go to now at the Sun will Rise is is in person, and it's in my town. So, you know that to me is is good because in person is good. You get hugs, and you know people know. You know it's with other other uh, parents, or it's not just children though. It, some people have nieces and nephews and boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, whatever, um, I find it necessary for me to do because things come up, things come up, as you know, uh, difficulties come up, thoughts come up uh, that throw you off and when, you, when you're when you in that major grief where you cry from your soul, I, I always call it grief brain because that, that, it'll mess you up, it'll... Uh, I know uh, I talked to one of the people that in our group, uh, Hope Floats group, I talked about it. I, I guess PS, PTSD is, is another word for it. Um, and after that, your brain doesn't work right. Your cognitive skills get wacky. And I remember one of the, one of the women was putting um, clean dishes in the refrigerator, and I, put, I was putting soup in a plate. And I was, you know, I I caught myself, but that's what happens. It messes with your brain and it's not, it's not necessarily a good thing if you're driving or you, you know, you're working with machinery or or whatever. Um, So, and people come in that are are new. um, And I, I chose not to be a facilitator like you, Tony. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm too much of an empath, I think. I just would be, I'd be down the whole, all the time. Um, but the new people, the, the people that are experienced, if you will, uh, will, you know, help some of the new people with, you know, uh, things that we've gone through like grief brain or, or uh, you know, other things with it that you suffer from grief of your child. And a lot of people do feel guilty about things they should have done. I don't think I feel too much like that because I had the support of learn to cope at the time. And they, and you know, I knew I, or I found out, um, information from them, uh, from the experienced people, you know, what, what, uh, was available services and, you know, how to deal with, with the child that's active in addiction. Um, so I don't, I think I did whatever I could do. And that's, that's a good thing. I think.
0: Yeah. I never went to learn to cope. I didn't even know it existed when I was dealing with my son. So I, I wished I had, I wished I'd known about it, but it, um, I don't remember how, how I found out. I don't remember how I,
1: somebody must've told me, I assume somebody told me. And, and so I was, you know, and they, I mean, he Andrew came and got you know knockhand trained. I mean, you know, he knew I was going. He you know, uh, and he got knockhand training. And actually, he said he had Narcans a friend because uh, what what happened is a lot of his friends got addicted um, because they were around the same age and on the OCs, and they tried to keep each other straight, which we know is pretty much impossible. Um, and you know, one by one, they passed away from from overdose. So he lost a lot of friends.
0: Yeah, that's the toughest thing. And my uh, the the street in the cemetery that my son is buried on, there are five members of his high school football team on the same street. Yeah, and yep. almost a similar. Other than one with alcohol, the other four were all with opioids. And yeah. All the same thing. All of them played football. All of them got injuries. All of them got addiction. All of them got prescriptions. And just the only thing different is how, how long they each lived before it got to them. Right. And it's rather ironic that they all ended up on the same street. because yeah. I, I had no idea. I bought the, the cemetery plot, not having any idea who else was on that same section in the cemetery just was all coincidental of course within within all within two or three years of each other and that was uh that's why there were available plots and um
1: a lot of of funerals there were a lot of funerals there's still a lot but not necessarily many that that andrew knew because it's almost eight years he he would be 45 now it's hard to believe but uh He'd be 45 now, so a lot, I mean, I don't know, I get some of his friends will indicate that somebody's passed, so people still, obviously, you know, are still sick, they're still sick, and they're they're struggling.
0: And my son would be 50 this year.
1: Yeah,
0: I know. And So you've been doing a lot of work in the town of Weymouth. There's a lot of different groups and organizations. And from, from what I hear, it seems like Weymouth is one of the one of the busiest towns as far as yeah. things going on. We're trying.
1: We um I, I we were involved, I forget what year it was, uh, with the health department. There were three or four of us that got involved with the vigil on August 31st it's overdose awareness day. And we got involved with the health department to uh, have our first vigil at uh, you know at a park in Weymouth, um, and that has we've had it for a couple of years. And then um, we and we had tables for different you know suicide and you know information learn to cope. <clears throat> Sometimes I will represent learn to cope it it functions like that, or sun will rise, I'll, I'll work the table. Um, and it was, it, with COVID, put a, you know, obviously we couldn't have it when, with COVID, but um, the man in the health department left, so we had to start from scratch with a new health department regime, and they're all very young, um, and they've kind of, Taken over uh, what the community, uh, our community has has tried to accomplish in, in a way. It's good because we have a, a drop-in center now. Um, I am involved as a community member with other parents with the Heal Committee, and the Heal Committee is a, a committee to make sure or, or to help disperse the monies that we got from the. Uh, the settlement with the Sacklers and others, I think. I think there's other companies like Johnson & Johnson. I don't know if they're settled yet, but... um, So now, you know, and it's frustrating for me, I can only speak for myself as a parent that's been in the throes of uh, help, trying to help with addiction. Now it's like we were trying to get people trained with Narcan. 10 or 12 years ago and now it's a thing and it's you know it's like to me it's a waste of time because uh the need isn't necessarily knock training it's uh places for people to go to recover um and medicines that that are necessary for people to stay reasonably clean to, to stay clean like suboxone and, and that kind of thing oh so, so it's frustrating yeah. in that they have committees on committees. They have subcommittees and then they have subcommittees on committees and then they have, you know, it's, it's all very uh, <clears throat> bureaucratic. And they, I I don't necessarily think that uh, they, they don't listen to, to us, to us, uh, the parents that have been through it. Uh, you know, uh, the local hospital is involved in these meetings. I mean, there's a lot of health people, they have more and they have um, a lot of people in the trenches, um, but, you know, the, the local hospital, it, 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 you know, they, they have a representative there and they, they put glowing reports of, you know, what, what they do with, with people when they're overdosing or they're recovering from an overdose. And we know as parents that it's not true all the time. It's not true. People, yeah. get, they just get discharged. With no, with no information, they just once they, <clears throat> once they get them stable, they just let them go, and I and I know HIPAA is involved as well, but these, they say the things they say that they do in the reality for those of us that hear about the people that have, have uh, been discharged, whatever, um, we know that that it doesn't always work, it frequently doesn't work. They don't. They say it, but they don't actually do it. Um, and there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of people that that are trying to, uh, you know, progress as far as you know, people that are trying to stay clean, you know, with support. We have a a, a drop in center in Weymouth. We've created. Uh, and it's called Impact Weymouth, and it's a place for people to go, I guess, for, for support, for services. I, I think they've had dental services there and, and other health things. Uh, and we're hopeful that that, that will succeed. Um, you know. But it, it, getting the information out, not everybody, the, the entities, everybody's trying to fix things, but nobody connects. And that's a frustration because we're all trying to do the same thing. Every entity is trying to do the same thing. And if we all connected, then we wouldn't be redundant as far as we might make, make more progress.
0: Well, how would you connect people though? This is a good question. How yeah. would you do it?
1: I don't know. I, I uh, ran into somebody uh, recently that works with, is a representative for mass uh, the Mass help Helpline, help line. and uh, she was the area representative. In, Weymouth was her area, and she had never heard of Learn to Cope. She had never heard of Team Sharing um, or Sun Will Rise. She didn't know Weymouth had an impact, had a, 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 a drop-in center. She didn't know any of that, and I, I did indicate, I did tell her, um, you know, hopefully she'll look into them. I mean, I I never got follow up. I sent her an email and I gave her the information when I met her. I made it write it down, <laughs> write them down. Um, but I don't know, you know, if she'll follow up. I don't know.
0: All I can do is give the information. Yes, but so you're still out there doing what you can do all right. of the time and different. Uh, so going back to this discussion you said about your son being sectioned and he thanked you. Um, not everybody comes out of being sectioned and thanking their parent. I, I know that Correct. I used yeah. to, I used to speak at the prison in Bridgewater and it was like a prison, you know, you would they would be in lockup and they couldn't get out, but they weren't real prisoners. There was no criminal charges. So your opinion, You you feel being sectioned is a good thing.
1: Well, there was no help, there was no help, and I didn't want him to die. Um, And I found out about Section 35 from Learn to Cope. So what I had to do was I had to go to, so I had to find out where my son Andrew would be. So I let him stay here and at my house, and I went to court in Quincy with my sister Susan. And I had to I had to prove that my son was in trouble, um, and I had I, I knew what questions they were going to ask, and I had I had affidavits from his his stepmother and uh, how he would be nodding at the at the uh, dinner table that kind of thing, and uh, so the, we ended up talking to a psychologist, and you know that that worked out, and then they issued a warrant and they came to my house. The police came to my house and, you know, Andrew, they brought Andrew to court and then we went back to court and they, the, he went in front of a judge and the judge put him in the, uh, the Matsey in Brockton and on his way out, he did a uh, lot of court. He said, thank you. Um, not everybody. It's, I think it's kind of rare. Some of the, some of the people yeah. that get sick, are not happy at all. Um, you know, they, they, they get angry and they swear at, you know, whoever sectioned them. And, and many people have to section their, their child many, many, many times before, you know, if it doesn't work, they just keep doing it and hope hoping that it, that it's going to catch on and then, you know, but, uh, there's so much stigma and there's so much, um, as far as uh, you know, the politicians too. I mean, some of my local politicians they know I- I'm involved, but in the state, we're trying to get the uh, the suboxone, and there's another name for some of the
0: uh, pro for me Yeah, Bupro, yeah. Um, and isn't there one with an M? I don't know they, but they call it the MAT program, medical meti- medically assisted treatment. And they and uh, Biden signed a bill, actually Christmas Eve, to hmm. make it so that doctors at one time the doctors were only allowed to do have two patients on on uh, Suboxone at a time, and now it's it's you can it's unlimited now a doctor could do twenty five or thirty, and and you know some people are opposed to it because they say you're just giving them one drug for the other drug. But the reality reality is what you're doing is stabilizing someone so that they don't get dope sick and they're stabilizing them so that they can go on and and live somewhat of a normal life and be be active in society and you're not out on the street looking for a clean needle and looking for somebody who's going to sell you some heroin and that sort of thing. That all ends when you're on Suboxone. And so-
1: yeah, and and I compare it to if you have heart disease or if you have diabetes, you need your medication. I believe that that's this medication, these medications. My son, Andrew, was on uh, Vivitrol, and it's a shot, I believe, that lasts, supposed to last for four weeks. Um, and he did really well on it. He didn't have the cravings. The only problem with that, with him, was by the third week he he started fiending again he started needing again so he i think that they probably he should have had the shot more more you know but that's all they could do they could only give it every four weeks he probably needed it on the third week but then i he got I, possibly-
0: I agree with that i've heard this i've heard that more than more than once i've heard that by the third week it gets to be yeah into that situation where where the, the the urge is coming back, the brain is requesting some form Correct. of high, you know, and so, uh, and I know in Bastable County they they were doing river troll to keep when the when they're in prison, and the, the county correctional, and the amount of people returning after being on river is is way lower than the rest of the state. So Vivitrol actually does work, you know. It's just, it just that uh, I think they got to give a higher dose of it so it lasts the four weeks.
1: If- well, that's that's probably what the the law or whatever allows. Uh, and of course, with Andrew, he was on Mass Health. They got knocked off Mass Health, then he was on Mass Health. So I believe the Vivitrol. Once he got knocked off, he had he couldn't he didn't have a doc, you know. It, or he was on and he had co-pays and all that kind of thing. So it was a catch-22 for him. If He he would have been better off if he didn't work at all, actually, because he would have stayed on MassHealth. Um, but when he tried to get himself out of, you know, his situation and, and get a nicer apartment, which he ended up doing, uh, but that's the apartment he died in, um, you know, it, it was it was a struggle. And he was sick. He was sick, you know. Um, and you know he well, wasn't in his right mind, really to, and it's it's hard to advocate for yourself when you're sick, you know um, yeah and and that's what I tried to do, um, but he was older, you know, he wasn't like a a kid and I guess what when they're eighteen they're 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 adults, right technically technically, technically, um but they say your brain doesn't mature until you're twenty five so. Um, A lot of people couldn't uh, get involved in their their children's uh, care because of HIPAA unless the child gave permission. And if I remember correctly, um, every place they go to is a new place you have to have the permission. Uh, I know Andrew was in the Brigham and then he was in the Barbara McGinnis and then he was in the nursing facility. Um, and every I, I was his advocate i mean i i you know you, you are gonna talk to me kind of person
0: you know yeah i can and
1: yeah you know you know yeah uh,
0: i could see and, that you would be that person
1: yeah and and they you know i i was able to you know confront them or whatever or try to make sure he got what he needed or didn't get the drugs that they wanted to give him you know because but in the nursing home, they just wanted to keep him quiet and stay. You know, he was somebody that's paying for a bit. So that's my, that was my take on it. He couldn't wait to get out of there. And his father and I would go and visit him there. I mean, you know, we would take him out, whatever, when he, you know, when he was sick or even when he wasn't sick, I would, you know, I would see him frequently. In fact, the last time I saw him, we were at the beach and he was, um, he was digging the beach. We went to Nantasket and, uh he went to the beach a lot when he was a child, but he never really, he was a big guy. So I think a lot of it had to do with his, how he looked, how he felt he looked, but he was, he was really, it was a beautiful day and he was really um, happy that day. Yeah. But his girlfriend, his girlfriend got drunk and she was misbehaving and that embarrassed him. So, but, uh, and that's the last time I saw her.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's it's always the hardest thing when you, to remember the last time you saw them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So my I was in the hospital, with had just had my knee replacement, and my son came to visit me. And he brought me a doll, a Donald Trump doll, <laughs> and and I at the time, and uh, he thought it was a he thought it was funny. Yeah. You know. That was the thing, you know, and I, you know, I had an experience with Donald Trump back in the 90s where he stiffed me on some vacuum cleaners, so didn't want to pay me. So I didn't think it was very funny because he knew I was angry with him. This is yeah. all before, long before he was running for president and everything, you know. Yeah. And it and turned out I saw the doll in the trash the next morning from <laughs> uh, my son threw it away as he walked out of my room. So uh, that's that was my last experience. No. You know,
1: I'm sure Matthew was. I, I think he was younger than my son, but <clears throat> Andrew was a good citizen. He voted all the time. He knew what was going on in the world. If he if he knew uh, the pre the, the last president, if he had known that, he would have. He just would have been beside himself because he just knew what was going on. He he was community minded. He, like I said, he voted. He he was aware of the world, and it's it's unfortunate. Because a lot of people I work with, I work with at the convention center, and there's a lot of people I work with that are very young, like, you know, in their 20s, and none of them vote. And uh, half and that, of them
0: don't even know who the vice president is right now.
1: Yeah. And that's the truth. A lot of them don't vote because why should they vote? The government's, you know, taken over, and I I have a fit.
0: <clears throat> yes. And, we, as, an, oh, as we get older, we get a little wiser, so...
1: Well, I always was. I, I always, since the minute I was able to vote, I I, I, I always tried to keep up with with the news because I remember Selma, Alabama, back when you know I remember watching it on the news.
0: Yeah, um, likewise.
1: Yeah, I remember all that because I was try. I was always aware of what was going on in the world, and those were crazy times. Great. Cra- well, I mean, it's crazy times now, but. Um,
0: so, so he, he was
1: a good citizen. He was a good citizen. It's unfortunate. He, was, he, he knew how to treat ladies. Um, he was polite. You know, he was a good guy.
0: I'm sure he was. And uh, Gail, um, before we wrap up, um, we're just about out of time. What would you say to a parent who's got a child who's, first, I'm sure you would advise them before they fill a prescription that know what the prescription is? But uh, what would you say if somebody was in, this, in the predicament, you know, where they started to get addicted to an opioid or heroin or alcohol, what, what would you recommend to them?
1: A lot of people now, when they have surgery or they have, you know, they go to the doctor for this and that, they, they, they say to me, you know, oh, yeah, the doctor gave me a prescription. And I always say, what did they give you? Because I always look into, you know, what these things do, and you know, I, I'm familiar with tramadol and gabapentin and a lot of these things, and uh, so many people still uh, aren't on top of what what drugs. They're more aware now, but it, you know, uh, you know, I would say if you have a child or a loved one that's uh, sick. You know, with addiction, learn to cope was a safe, and that was for me. That that was support for me. Um, knowing how to help support my loved one, and that the the information they have is, you know, how are we going to know? How are you going to know unless they you have somebody that is an expert on, you know, on or, or
0: experience with the issues that that you know come up. So Learn to Cope is um, all across Massachusetts, especially, and there's about 25 locations. You just go to the website, to uh, cope.org, one of those. And it's Learn, number two, Cope.
1: Um, also, uh, they have a, uh, a web page or whatever you want to call it, a support page, and it's anonymous. So if you have a question, you can put it on, you know, you can put it on that page and it, you know, you'll get answers from people
0: that know or have experience, have experience, mm-hmm. with whatever it is, you know? Um, and, and you can do it on zoom. A lot of the, a lot of the yeah. groups are on zoom, so you can do it anywhere, especially and if you're out of the state of Massachusetts and you want to, you don't have a support group in your area, you can use learn to cope in Massachusetts by just going on, sign up and do one of the zoom calls. Yeah. Um, and they
1: do have, I think they're, they have, all the states. I'm pretty sure they have, I think they have Florida. Yeah. You know, they, there are other states that. that I know have, they're in Florida they're, and
0: New Hampshire, Okay. I don't, the rest of them. But um, Joanne Peterson was our guest a few weeks, a few months back. Yeah. And she was very good about giving up locations and how to get a hold of them. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 So we really appreciate you talking to us today. Okay. And um, I'm sure this was very emotional for you and, I really want to thank you for, uh, I know it's hard to bring back, but I want people to understand that, that um, this can happen to anybody. The addiction problem is, you know, white, black, yellow, whatever, and Democrat, Republican, anybody can be, can have to take this course. They don't, you know, it can happen to anyone. And right. so you have to be really careful that, you know, what medication people are getting or what they're giving them. Or how and, they get, but how they're getting it. Sometimes they yeah. get medicine cabinets that,
1: you know, family members. I yeah. mean, on the street, they get it on the street. They don't always get prescribed too,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, I had a plumber in my house going through my medicine cabinet. Yeah. So his assistant, the guy was a, an apprentice and, He just, you know, they're always, the plumbers are always in the bathroom fixing things. So that doesn't, in in anybody who has any kind of addictive drug in their cabinet, they should get rid of it. Right. If you're not on it, get rid of it. And you shouldn't be on it.
1: Well, the police stations will take your meds. And there's a, there's a, there's a chemical that you can get. it. It's a, I don't know, doTERRA. There's a couple of different companies that make it, but you can put your, prescription in this bag with water I think and you close it up and it and it makes it so that you can put it in the trash instead of flushing it down the toilet
0: oh that's a good idea yeah there's yeah. a couple
1: that make it and actually one of the guys in the, on the committee in Weymouth is he works for the company that that, that has them and that now there's fentanyl test strips and this there's there's, yeah, there's more
0: more things now Yeah. The big, big awareness is the fentanyl because I know of somebody who was a casual cocaine user and she died about four weeks ago because there was fentanyl in, in, uh, in the cocaine that she was using.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, and, and it's so, fentanyl is so strong that they tried Narcan four times with her and she never became conscious. Uh Wow. It didn't work. It was too strong. So, um,
1: now they have xylazine. that xylazine. Now that now there's that horse tranquilizer.
0: I think that's how you say it, Xylazine. Have you heard yes. about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's so many things out there that you don't know. So you got to be super careful. But the big thing is uh, addiction is a disease and it needs to be treated like any other disease. Right. And that's what we got to do, you know.
1: And don't and think again, it's not going to happen to you. Don't think that's it's right. not going to happen to you.
0: You have oh, to yeah. know my, going on, you know? Yeah. My, <clears throat> I mean, a um, long time ago, we did a movie, If Only. And
1: yes. if anybody
0: has any doubts, watch the movie, If Only, and see what really goes on amongst the teenagers and the high schools and, and uh, colleges where you're not there, you don't know what's really happening. And if yeah, there's any uh, sign of it, you should be aware because... And don't don't have that attitude. Not in my house, and not my kid. You know,
1: there's a, there's a man uh, Gary Carter that does uh, has a thing called Hope's Closet, and it's a he travels with it. It's a it's a bedroom, a teenager's bedroom, and it explains where they could hide things. Uh, you know, uh, there's there's a million ways. Unless you're looking for it, you wouldn't know. So you know that. Is, is a is a great example of you know this you need to be informed you need to be informed this is where they could hide it you know it looks like a lamp but is it a lamp maybe not
0: you know that kind of yeah. thing yeah I know Gary he's he's a character he's He's nice, a nice yeah. guy yeah yeah yep. so again Gail I appreciate your time I- and this is um, Tony Legrecker and this is you've been listening to the courage to hope and uh, Gail is out there <clears throat> informing those that need to be informed. Again, Gail, we thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, Tony.